Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute provides educators access to nonfiction 9-11 resources for K-12, first-person curriculum with video, Discovering Heroes book series for kids, and a speaker's bureau with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. A high-tech 83-foot tractor trailer that transforms into an interactive museum with artifacts and Russell F. Siller Memorial Scholarships for exemplary high school students of program recipients preparing for college. Never forget, donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You know, when we were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we had a lot of questions. How do you record an episode? How do I get the show into all the apps people like to listen to? You know, best of all, how do we like to make money off this podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to to podcast right away. In fact, that's what we're doing right now by reading this ad. You know, I like to listen to to my scary podcast during the week while I'm at work. And man, let me tell you, it just gets me in an extra zone so I can keep working all day long. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. And welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Hilo Sports Podcast. It's Kelsey and DJ joining you yet again. And DJ, we have had some wild playoff games in the last week. We thought there was going to be a couple sweeps here in the round two. Well, turns out three out of the four matchups ended up at one point in time, two and two. And, you know, it's been kind of crazy all around, really. I mean, getting getting around to it. And then they just released all NBA teams. And a whole bunch of stuff has happened in the NBA the last week. It doesn't feel like it's just normal playoff basketball. I mean, I thought I thought a lot of people already had the brooms out. Like, I could smell the sweeping going on, too. See, people are knocking off the dustpans, emptying out the dryer. Like, they were ready to go. They cleaned out the garbage cans. They were ready. But oh, pretty much every series is competitive right now as well, too, minus the one that's already over. But the three remaining going, they're all close and competitive. And, it should be a really fun NBA playoff. And as you mentioned, too, the All-NBA first teams, we had some fisticuffs going on, too, some blasphemy coming out of that. Soccer's been pretty wild. There's a lot going on in the sports world right before the long days of summer. And there's it's pretty fun. I, I enjoy These are some underratedly good sports times of the year. Yeah, you mentioned the Euros. That's been absolutely fantastic. We've seen a midway shot already uh, on that one as well, which is uh, absolutely just unheard of. Longest shot so far in the most recent 10 Euros. 
um, from 46 Crazy. meters out. So that's just absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, you know, as you mentioned, the All NBA team is just released, and that's going to be start our first segment, the tip off presented by Fanatics.com. Fanatics.com is your one stop shop for all your sports apparel and merchandise need for every every team you need, whether it's from your favorite national team in the Euros or all the way down to your alma mater. There is sports apparel for the fan that is in all of us. So be sure to check all that out. Link is in our link tree. And anything you guys pick up over there will help kick back to our podcast and all the, the Unhinged Sports Network and help us make a lot of improvements that, you know, sound quality being one of them. You know, we also look at a lot of internet connect, connectivity sometimes being an issue. So just help help us make all of our products even better. Um, so be sure to check out that link in our link tree. And not as, to mention Father's Day is coming up too. So last minute gift idea. Oh God, I didn't think it through. Quickly grab something and say it'll be in late and, they, and they'll be just fine with it being late too. And no one will know that you forgot. It could be a tie too. Don't forget those Father's Day ties. You know, we all love to give just because yeah, we forgot go anything else. Tie. It's almost mandatory. <laughs> but no, these all NBA teams. I mean, we'll start. We'll start at the bottom and work our way up. Um, we'll start with the all defensive team first. All right. So the all defensive first, uh, second team: Jimmy Butler, Matisse Tybel, Bam Adebayo, Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid. Any problems right there with the all defensive second team? I would like to say I want to see Jimmy Butler on the first team, but you just didn't really play enough games. It's like really hard at that point. Like obviously Bam, Tybal, they, they all deserved. I don't really have, I honestly don't have too many qualms with this one. It's honest. Tybal is a little surprising, but I have no complaints with the rest of it. I mean, Joel Embiid's a monster in the middle as well too. Jimmy Butler's Jimmy Butler. I mean, like they, it's, it's a squad. I, I have no complaints with it, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of the same. I, I, Matisse Tybal is like, I love the way he plays defense, but, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's it's a stretch to put him on the second team, um, but at the same time, I, I just I'm can't not think of anyone off the top of my head where it's like he needs to be there before. Yeah, that makes it, sense. That's why I'm just like, well, I can't really argue it, so we're gonna roll with it. Exactly. I think my biggest qualm though is Bam Adebayo being on the second team, whereas if you look at the first team, which is Ben Simmons, Drew Holiday, Draymond Green, Giannis, and Rudy Gobert, I see a big Draymond type hole there that Bam Adebayo could have filled a little more comfortably. I feel like I I agree, but at the same time, I like. Draymond is for all of his offensive problems, like dribbling the ball off his knee and inability to actually score bunnies and whatnot. That doesn't, his defense is still pretty locked down. He still is a very, he's still really, really good defensively. So I can understand that. Like if you, if you swap, I wouldn't really argue either. If that makes sense. Like, I feel like they're both kind of like that. If we're to list them in order, they're both in that six through seven ish range where you could swap them either way. So, I mean, you're either in the top five or just outside the top five with either one of them. I mean, the question too, is I know there's a lot of stink. A lot of people are saying, how is Giannis on there over Jimmy Butler? And I yeah. look at it, I'm like, people forget Giannis is still that dude defensively. He He's struggling a little bit with Kevin Durant in the playoffs, but every human in the world struggles with Kevin Durant. Nobody <laughs> can guard him. Not even Kevin Durant wants Kevin Durant smoke. Yeah, no, what, Kate, what Katie's able to do is absolutely just, it's been fantastic to watch. No, no, nobody can stop him. Uh, I mean, you look at this list, there's two guys on this, three, four guys on this list that have faced uh, Katie so far in these playoffs, and that's Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Giannis, and Drew Holiday. I don't know a single one of them to uh, have stopped anybody named KD at this point in time. Uh, Jimmy and Bam didn't face him. They actually faced Giannis and Chris. Oh, that's right. You're right. My bad. But either way, they're not stopping him either. Like You could throw all four of them at them, and he'll find a way to get 39, 15, and 10. Yeah, no, it's been fantastic to watch what KD's doing. But no, this so this defensive, uh, all-defensive NBA team, obviously, no real qualms with it. I mean, you look at Ben Simmons being mentioned there, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously, Arguably could have been defensive player of the year, honestly. Like, if I was voting, he was my personal pick. I mean, like I said with Draymond, all his offensive what the f's aside, like as much as I despise watching him try and shoot the not not shoot the ball and shoot free throws and just all of that mess, defensively he can really guard one through four and even some fives at a high level too. Like when he was put on Trey Young during the series, 
he has given Trey Young some fits. Obviously, Trey Young has given him some fits back, but what do you expect? I mean, there's a six nine guy versus six one guy. Obviously, there's gonna be some agility issues, but the fact that you can put him on them, and there's like, oh, well, we got someone else for Trey Young. Hey, go guard John Collins, and he could do that just fine as well, too. Like very few guys have that type of versatility. They talked about it with actually early Miami LeBron too is a bit like in that finals against OKC. He started the game guarding Kendrick Perkins as a center before they're like, okay, you go guard Kevin. Now that was silly of us. You go guard Kevin, you go get him. But like kind of what they talked about him, you could do a lot out of Ben Simmons defensively too. And it yeah. frees up Joel Embiid to just be mam- a mammoth inside and destroy shots. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, both of them making a defensive uh, team, but one first team, one second team. Um, obviously the only reason Joel Embiid's second team is because of Rudy Gobert, the defensive player of the year, getting, that first team nod. Uh, the one, I guess, that kind of surprises me, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, okay, well, uh, makes sense that, you know, he. It, no, I can't think of anybody else to put over him, and that's that's Drew Holiday. Yeah, that makes sense, too. It's like, he's he's a really good defender. He's an elite defender. We talk about him all the time. Nothing this year, I, when I saw him, I was like, oh, yeah, first team all defense, but nobody else has really been like that defense, like as a defensive guard necessarily either. It's almost like he needs, he deserves to be there, but he's, it's not like clearing consensus if that makes sense to like, you don't see him clamping people up. Like, like he did the Damian Lillard in that NBA playoff series a few years ago. We don't see that quite as much, but that just doesn't happen as much anyway, anymore in general. So I have no qualms with Drew Holiday. It just feels kind of, it's like, Oh really? Huh? He made a first team, all a defensive team. Interesting. And then when you watch him play sometimes it's like, okay, I mean, I guess he deserves it, but it's like, who else are you going to put up there? Who else does actually play the 48 minutes of defense? Like he does. Yeah, no, really. I mean, it is pretty, pretty uh, awesome to see him get up, get, get put on that defensive first team, though, I will say, because uh, I'm a big fan of Drew Holiday. Obviously, we talk about that ad nauseum, um, mm-hmm. especially whenever we do do games like I, I, I just love his game. I love, you know, what him and his wife have gone through um, for her health and everything and, and you know, all the uh, off the court issues that they tackle and, and they, they help to, you know, spread awareness about. It. It's absolutely fantastic that not only is he able to do all that off the court, but on the court, he's just he's a fantastic defensive player as well. Um, it's it's just absolutely great to see, uh, and uh, let's not forget he has two brothers as well in the league, um, and Aaron and Justin. So they uh, he's got he's got to keep the uh, I I have to uh, assert dominance over you two type of situation. Yes, he, he has to keep up the street cred as well too. And like you mentioned too, for as great of a player he is on the court, he's even better off the court too. Like fantastic guy. I look forward to seeing him hopefully go off in one of these playoff games too. I think that'll be great to see if he could pull it off. He struggled a little bit so far, especially in this net series, but I'd love to see him just go off just because of who he is. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Now, moving over to the All-NBA first, second, and third team, I'm just going to go ahead and list these off, and we're going to talk about just who deserves to be where. So that way, we don't have to, like, you know, try to pick and pick and choose. We can just talk about it. So yeah, the All-NBA first team, yeah, All-NBA first team, Steph Curry, Luka, Giannis, Kawhi, Nikola Jokic. All-NBA second team, Dame, Chris Paul, Julius Randle, LeBron James, Joel Embiid. All-NBA third team, Bradley Bill, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, and Rudy Gobert. First thing that sticks out to you when you when I when I just rattle those names off. All right, so there's a few things that stick out to me, so you're going to have to bear with me on this one real quick. The first thing is there's no Kevin Durant, James Harden. Rightfully so, because they didn't play enough games. It's just still weird to see it, nonetheless. Like, they did not play enough to earn it, which obviously we we know right now Kevin Durant is the best player in the world, but he does he can't be on when you play 30 games. Same with James Harden, he played 30-ish games. So that makes sense, not arguing that. It's still kind of weird seeing LeBron on the second team and Kawhi on the first team. And it's... They both played, a, if I'm not mistaken, they played a relatively similar amount of games, too. Like, I don't know. It just feels kind of odd, I guess, too. I mean, I know it wasn't a great season for LeBron, but it wasn't exactly a great season for Kawhi either. So that's kind of one of the things that sticks out to me. Tomato, tomato, obviously. 
Julius Randle on that second team, that's really cool to see. He probably deserves that as well, too. I would probably lean more towards putting a Bradley Beal up there. And then, obviously, what I talked about, all those injuries, yet we had Jimmy Butler on the All-NBA third team. I know he played more games than Katie and Harden, but not a significant amount more. A noticeable yeah, amount, but not a huge amount more. And then the about one 10 more thing, than Katie. Was that? It was about 10 more games than Katie. Every rest of my case. Like, one-seventh of the season more, I guess, however you want to slice it. But the, funny, the most funny thing is, the only person who was unanimous all first team NBA that had all first team votes was Giannis with 100, 500 total points. Even Jokic, the MVP, someone gave him a second team vote. So he had 498. Then Steph Curry with 496, Luka with 402, and Kawhi with 323 as far as total points. So I thought that was kind of interesting in first place votes too. Only Giannis is the only consensus first teamer. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really, really odd to me. It's also really odd that when you consider MVP finalists, uh, there was no Chris Paul. There was no Joel Embiid on the first team. No Dame Lillard, who we thought could have been an NBA, uh, you know, MVP finalist. And the only guy that's up there is Steph Curry and then Nikola Jokic, who obviously did win the MVP. Well-deserved. Like, I'm not saying anything about Jokic. Jokic is well-deserving. He should have been the only unanimous up there in my eyes. I just... I, I feel like Giannis, Jokic, and Steph Lights. All right, those three are first-team All-NBA. We get that. Like, that's pretty much set. And it kind of showed in the voting, too. Like, there's a few second-place votes, no third-team votes. Kawhi had nine third-place votes, and Luka had four, which was kind of surprising. It's like, they weren't even fully set in stone. If you go by that quote-unquote total points thing, there was two guys, Joel Embiid and Damian Lillard, had more points than Kawhi on the All-NBA second team. Kawhi just had more first-place votes. Well, actually, he had less than Dame, but somehow he still ended up there because the positioning. Yeah, yeah, that exactly. positioning it's, thing. It's it's interesting to see, like, Luka was being classified as a guard as well, so that's part of it. LeBron's still classified as a forward, even though he's basically point guard as well. It's very interesting how it ended up breaking down as well, too. Because when I look at Luka, I know he plays point – I know he kind of plays that point forward like LeBron does, but he's not really a point guard, if that makes sense. I, if I'm not mistaken, he's still listed as a small forward. Yeah, I mean, as far as the NBA is concerned, he has that, that slash, the small forward point guard slash – um so they can and, just put them wherever they want basically yeah and then lebron's just listed as a forward not even a power forward small forward he is just a forward right now um, i still hate this whole thing like with with the first team and like requiring positions i don't give me positions at this point in time the nba has become so mobile as far as each position goes i uh, like don't give me positions just give me the top five best freaking players that i can put on the court together if that's like, the case, who is your first team All NBA? The best five you could put together. Like I'm looking at this list. I, I Kawhi bumps down easily is just that. I bump Dame Lillard up to the 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 first team, and and I bump Kawhi down. And I'd even consider bumping Luca down for Chris Paul, because what Chris Paul has done this season. I know the stats are like everybody's like, oh, his stats, his stats. Man, I don't care about his stats. Have you seen what he's doing on the court? What he what he's doing to turn Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton into bona fide superstars like i know that they they've been fantastic their whole careers so far but what deandre ayton stepped forward and did this season and what devin booker's been able to do and not face the double teams night in and night out that's because of chris paul everything look we we call we jokingly call him point guard point god but you know what it's true like he is that good of a point guard uh he has revolutionized that position really i mean he is he is what a modern point guard is built off of is he's, he's, he's become that prototype now. Um, obviously now Steph Curry has, has some words to say about that, but you look at that. I think Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, Giannis, Nikola Jokic is my starting five, my, my all NBA first team for Absolutely sure. Too. 
and I'll jump into mine real quick. One thing I wanted to point out too that I kind of skipped over, Jason Tatum actually missed out on the cut with 69 total points. Like Kyrie technically had 61 points, but the forwards on that third team were Jimmy Butler and Paul George with 131, 89. So Jason Tatum just missing out as well. Westbrook also only getting 44. James Harden still getting 41. Ben Simmons got a total of two points. Like one person's age on the third team for a guy that could have been defense player of the year and a guy that's been touted as the next coming. Well, I'm with Devin Booker, Don Mitchell. Like these players receiving votes that didn't make it is actually a really good list with Booker, Mitchell, Harden, Simmons, Trey Young, Westbrook, Zach Levine. Zion Williamson, Kevin Durant, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, like Bam, like Bam out of bio, Clint Capella, like Anthony Davis. That's a squad in itself down there as far as players receiving votes that didn't make it. Draymond yeah. as well, too. Like it's a very interesting looking at that, those guys that didn't make it as well. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, like, yeah, you you just name off some of those guys, and they're like, well, okay, AD injury, but everybody else, why? Like, how could they have not gotten more votes than some of these guys? I think I, I still feel like at some point in time we, we gotta consider these voters. Uh, no, no longer being stuck in the past because I feel like there, there are some of these things, some of these players on here that they're a legacy vote, if that makes sense. I know what you're saying as well, too. Like, I, I, I just, I don't feel like there's some guys on here that are fully deserving of their spot in, in where they've been handed uh, to be, if I'm being completely honest. I think there are some younger guys that deserve to be boosted up a little bit more. For sure. And I, and the one thing that is to remind as well, too, for Amatuni and like, these are also from the regular season. These were voted on at before the playoffs started too. So obviously if we included the playoffs, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, some of those guys are flying up and other guys are flying all the way off. So yeah. obviously there's a little bit of change to that. So I can't, I'm not going to force Donovan Mitchell or any of those guys up there, even though we include these playoffs, they darn sure well are going up there. But if I was going to change the first team, like kind of like you said, go positionless. I agree. Luke and Kawhi are coming out. They're going to the second team. I agree. Damon's going up, but I'm actually still going to bring Joel Embiid. I know he had a little bit of injury, but he still played a fair amount of games compared to a lot of other guys. Arguably was would have been the MVP if he didn't get hurt, too. We talk about probably the best offensive scorer from down in the block from a big man position. Not quite the passer Jokic is, not quite the playmaker. Like obviously, Jokic is Jokic. But Embiid is not too far behind. And if you were going to give them 2K ratings, quote-unquote, let's say Jokic is a 98, Embiid's a 96.5, 97. He's like right there. So I'm bumping Embiid up who also, if it wasn't for Rudy Gobert basically being stamped in his first team all defense every time he plays enough games. He probably is that first team all defensive center and check on that too, with the 76ers, three guys on those first defensive all teams, the doc rivers effect in full swing, by the way, just like I predicted in our preseason where I had Joel Embiid as defensive player of the year. So I'm a little salty about that still. Cause I think he could have, I think they overrate, they forget how good he was defensively too. Yeah, no, look, Hey, I mean, you know, I, I had bam, I believe as my defensive player of the year this year. And so I'm a little salty that he didn't get any, any first team <laughs> votes. I, I look, he was a fantastic defensive stalwart for that Miami team that, yeah, they fell apart in the playoffs, but we're just, we're just talking about they don't make it into the playoffs as a uh, seated the way they were if if it's not for Bam. Uh, His ability to switch and guard multiple positions as a center. We talk about Ben Simmons could do as a guard. Bam could kind of do that as a big man. If he gets switched onto a forward, he can kind of handle them. He's obviously not stopping Giannis or KD, but he is not a complete mismatch. It's not like sticking DeAndre Ayton out there with his flat feet or something like that or Zubak or anything like that. He can move. He can scoop. Yeah, and and you know it's 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 very unique. So, uh, you know, look, obviously there's a lot of a lot of things that could change. We have our own opinions on things. That's uh, what we always do. Um, <laughs> but we got to talk about these playoffs, which takes us into the main event. Uh, and we we got to these playoffs, man. They've been absolutely crazy. We have oh, I, I don't even know how to explain it. I've literally felt like we were gonna have three sweeps at one point in time in this round too. Like I thought there was gonna be three solid sweeps, and then a potential like five game series. Like I didn't feel like we were going to have a single one 
go beyond five games. And here we are. Every 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 team not named the Suns are going into five games. Hmm. So I, this is crazy. Like, what is your first thought when you think of this round two? Like, what is your what's your first take on this round two? So the first take is I agree with you. Is like at first coming into it, I was, I was like, I love these matchups. Then the first couple games happened. I was like, oh god, this is going to be really bad. Oh man, I can't believe we were so wrong. Then it was like, oh wow, we got series again minus the Suns Nuggets one. But everything else was like, oh goodness, we got a series again. I can't believe it. Looking, I'm going to go with the most recent one before this when this podcast was released. The Nets and the and the Bucks. Oh my goodness! So far, the home team is batting a thousand percent. By the way, <laughs> yeah. after Game Two, we both thought the Nets were. We thought the Nets were going to roll. We thought the Bucks were cooked. It was done. Wrap. It's awful. Game Three comes around. It's ugly. It's hideous. It's a grinded out game. The Bucks pull away. We're like, yeah, that's an anomaly. Whatever. Then they win Game Four, and Kyrie gets hurt. And we're like, oh, look out for the Bucks. Oh, well, hold on. Especially Kyrie. Out. Who knows what's going to happen. James Harden comes back in game five. Not quite James Harden, but he's still, the beard is still on the court. And Kevin Durant's like, no, no, no. Everybody get out of my way. And gives you 49, 17, and 10. The best player in the world, not even close right now. Puts the team on his back virtually. Very similar to LeBron in his Cavs day, in that last Cavs series, basically, more or less against the Warriors. Very similar to that. And Will's out a win at home for the Brooklyn Nets, too. Fantastic performance. And that series is getting really good. I can't wait for game six. And I have a weird feeling the Bucs are going to win game six and we're going to get that seven game series. We wanted that. We honestly thought the Bucs and the Heat were going to go to after game one as well, too. But that clearly did not go that way. So I think the Bucs and that's this. I think it's going to go down. The home team's going to win the first six games and it's going to come down to Giannis and squad. They're going to have to pull one out in Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, that's this series is insane to watch. It's you're exactly right. KD, especially today. I mean, that was his performance was outstanding i mean down down Kyrie, down james harden and it's like okay well uh you guys just lost to the bucks with Kyrie. um what are you gonna do now oh okay oh oh kd you're you're gonna be the best player in the world hands down now there's no there's no possibly the best player in the world anymore i mean what he just did was just all right i'm gonna put my stamp on this and and there's nothing you guys can do about it it's it's fantastic to watch but uh you know it's i I want to say I keep looking at this series and I just keep coming back to this Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday conundrum for me, if I'm the Bucks, Where are they consistently? Because right now I'm not, I, I feel like I'm not getting anything consistent from either one of them. We finally saw Chris Middleton have a good game and they won. Well, he followed it up with a meh game in game four. Thankfully, they were able to still pull it out despite his mehness. And you know, it's it, it, Drew Holiday. Obviously, we talk about we just talked about defensive, yeah, uh, you know, stalwart there. But offensively, I mean, he is a very effective offensive player. Like, where's he at there? Like, I just... Exactly too. And you had Bryn Forbes who came out looked like he's going to come out guns blazing, but then kind of stalled out. Chris Milton, you mentioned, gave you the twenty five points on eight of twenty two shooting and three of ten from three. That is not going to get it done as well. Too Holiday gave you nineteen and eight, but seven of sixteen shooting, not too great. And then three turnovers. My problem with the Bucs, though, has been that dude, Giannis. He gives you 34 points, 12 rebounds. It looks great. A couple of blocks. Four turnovers. Just really questionable decision-making. He gets the ball, and he's either sticking his head down and driving into a brick wall without without paying attention, or he's pulling up for a questionable shot. He, does, yeah. he doesn't look nearly as smooth as we've seen in the last couple of years when he was MVP. He's not making great decisions. He's You can't shoot, so don't shoot. Learn how to get a mid-range shot and floater. We've seen flashes of it. Like we even saw it a little bit in this game that they lost too, where it took Kevin Durant going Hercules in the third quarter and fourth quarter, basically. I mean, looking at it, second half, I mean, my 
goodness, just they scored 72 points in the second half. The Nets did compared to 49 for the Bucks, and you lost by six. If I'm doing the math correct, six. So you had them where you wanted them. You just Giannis made too many mistakes down the stretch, dropping an alley oop like. He has brick hands, like that Nelson Aguilar gif video thing that where the guy from Philadelphia is making fun of him. That's Giannis right now because he can't catch the ball in the lane. He, I don't know what it is. He cannot make things – it seems like he can only make plays happen when he's dribbling the ball. He needs to be able to play off the ball more consistently because that's when we see him at his best. And the yeah. free throws, that's got to get fixed too. So this one honestly falls on Giannis for me. They can win this series if you can get that 34 from Giannis without going 4-7 or seven from the free throw line and just those four turnovers and just reckless plays. I mean – Compared to Kevin Durant too, as well. I mean, he sure, he had three he had three turnovers. He had ten assists, three steals, and two blocks defensively to go with the forty nine points, ten assists, seventeen rebounds, sixteen of twenty three from the field, four of nine from three, thirteen of sixteen from the free throw line. Yeah. Like, that's that's what you you don't need that shooting virtuoso from Kevin like Kevin Durant does. That's not your game, Giannis. But you got to be you can't leave points on the board like that with free throws and these easy just running it barreling into people when you have a mid range shot where they, you should be able to just. Lift your arm up and flick your wrist. Just go-go gadget arms like Michael Jordan dunking Space Jam. It's all you really need to do. Yeah. So this comes down to Giannis, and if they're going to win game six in the series, he's got to be more efficient. Yeah, we've seen moments where it's like, oh, okay, yeah, there's there's Giannis's mid-range game. And then we've seen him just completely forget it exists. And you're like, wait, wait, go back to that. It's like with Bam, he had that nice, he has that nice elbow jumper that he'll just forget he has, I feel like, at times. And 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 you know, it's the same thing with with Giannis, he has that nice elbow mid-range jumper that is like, all right, well, use that. Like every once in a while, just use it. I don't, you don't have to make it at hundred percent, make it at 50%. And I'm, oh, we are all okay with that. Giannis, that's a fantastic shot. Like I don't need you pulling up for eight threes a game and missing seven of them. I need you stepping into mid-range and, and hitting a couple mid-range shots. Just enough. So we're Blake Griffin, whoever's guarding us to take one step out. When you pick up the ball like that, then you have a lane to drive. That's all you need. Just something to get him to move. Like even like Jokic and Joel beats really slow motion pump fakes just to get the guy guarding him to take one step out. Cause they know they can hit that shot. And yeah. Boone are neat. What is he doing? He's an offensive coordinator. He is absolutely rough so far. I, what is going on? Every what single play is ISO about? Giannis, ISO Middleton. <laughs> you're wasting Brooke Lopez is basically JJ Redick right now. He, yeah. You're having a seven footer sit in the corner and give you 15 points on three or five from three. Six rebounds, no assists. Get him on the block. Make Giannis come off a back screen and make Lopez pass out of the post to a cutting Giannis. Do something else. Like you're wasting his height as well, too. It's too much pure isolation and go get. And PJ Tucker, we love what he's doing defensively. He can't give you zero points. He can't go 0 of 3 from the field and 0 of 2 from 3. Like you got to find a way to get whoever that other person going has to score some points at at some way, shape, or form. You can't have 15 points off the bench from Pat Connaughton and Brent Forbes and then zero from Brian and the other opposite to Kumpo. No Bobby Porter siding, like Mike Boonholzer, you're you're not in your bag at all. You threw your bag over the windshield, now you're digging in your pockets. This is not gonna work if you want to beat this Nets team. KD, Kyrie, it doesn't matter. You're not gonna win doing the, this kind of offensive play calling. You are smarter than that. You have to utilize all of your weapons. Put make sense, call an adjustment because it's not working, especially when they're in that second half when you're falling apart. Yeah, I mean, look, I just want I, I at this point in time, I'm at the point where I just want to see one pick and roll, one one solitary triangle offensive set like all things they ran in the regular season nothing that i've yet to see in the playoffs and the one times i the few times i've seen it has resulted in baskets for the for the bucks or so or them going to the free throw line and not Giannis going to the free throw line somebody actually making free throws goes to the free throw line 
It's um, like run an off-ball pick and get Giannis the roll. Set the pick to get Chris Milton coming off the screen, and then Giannis roll to the basket. Either you guard Milton coming for a mid-range jump shot, or he's running to the basket, and Drew Holiday throws him out of the loop. And if that's somehow caught, you have Brooke Lopez on the block right in front of Drew Holiday, who gives him the ball. Yeah, and then PJ Tucker goes sits in the corner because he does that anyway. So whatever. Yeah, no, something's got to something's got to give there, whether it's Budenholzer or maybe the Nets, and, and finally KD can't continue this fantastic pace, but. We got to talk about a game, another game where playoffs have been, uh, where sorry, shooting and shooting free throws has been an issue. Um, obviously, the Sixers and Hawks. This one, we just we talked about Joel Embiid ad nauseum. Uh, just the way he he's been shooting and, and playing up to this point. His first two games not only set a playoff high for him scoring wise, then he broke it the next game, and then all of a sudden you head to Atlanta and it's like the Sixers. Everybody but Joel Embiid forgot how to play offense in Game Three. And then game four, Joel Embiid forgot how to play offense. Well, they, they can't seem to figure this out. I mean, Joel Embiid gives you 79 points in those first two games, just short of 80 with 39 and 40. And then in game three, he has a good solid game as well, too, even though they're doing their damnedest to not let him. They're throwing triple teams at him before he gets the ball. He still has a de- pretty decent game. Then game three, he's really nowhere to be found. He has, what was it, 13 points, 20 rebounds. So he's still impacting the game, still getting it done. But Ben Simmons, where are you at, my friend? We've seen you for a half. You got to do the same thing as Giannis. You got to play off the ball. You got to backdoor cut, set screen and rolls, do something. You can't just pass the ball off and then sit there. It's not going to work because no one cares if you're sitting there because you're not shooting then. Just constantly move, distract, be, be be annoying if nothing else. Just move around, maybe set screen, set like three screens for Danny, not Danny Green, but Seth Curry off the side or something like that. Just mess, just mess around or something. Like they got to find ways to get him involved or just stagger his minutes with Joel. And when Joel goes to the bench, let Ben Simmons run the second team offense and just let him run and gun basically like he does his best where it's like seven out and he just runs to the paint. They got to find a way to make him useful. Cause right now there's too many possessions where he's just not involved. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's uh, this, this, this series has kind of been marred by one big injury for the Hawks. That's Deandre Hunter. But now there's also that big injury. You mentioned Danny green strain cap will miss the remainder of this, uh, of the series for the, uh, for the Sixers. And so that's, that's big as well because that's a starter for you. And that's, I mean, he, obviously we talk about, he doesn't give you big numbers anymore, but he brings a lot of heady plays. Like we saw in game two, that's still right off the tip leading to an instant bucket right before he got injured. And that was like, that was a play that's, that that's just watching film that you do that. You don't just do that naturally. That's, that's a heady play. It's instinct getting you that, getting you to that. Or sorry, that was game three, but yeah. And then he limped off not even four minutes later with the injury. So you know, that's a big injury for them. And then we got DeAndre Hunter coming back from injury now for game five, potentially. That's, I mean, do you think DeAndre Hunter makes a bigger difference in this one? I think the addition of him plus the subtraction of Danny Green, I think that's where we're going to start things till maybe the Hawks' favor. I mean, I know they each have won on each other's home court, but it's still split two to two. So basically, it's defending home court and all broke even. So if you're the 76ers, you have to come out and you have to come out running. It has to be like, all right, you're in triple team, Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons, cut to the basket. We will throw it up and you will throw it down, basically. And if they, if they have someone roll to you, Seth Curry or someone should be wide open. Seems very simple at that point. So I'm curious to see what they do. It's tough, but I do think the the combination of DeAndre Hunter possibly coming back and Danny Green being gone, that definitely tilts it in Atlanta's favor right now, getting that game four at home, that really close one too, where the 76ers let it slip away. I think that's, that's big for Atlanta, but they have a little bit more momentum and health starting to come on their side too. Yeah. I mean, look, you can't underestimate the, uh, the, the importance of, of not just health, but like bringing in a guy like DeAndre Hunter, just his his skill set, it matches up so well. Especially when you had Tobias Harris just torching you, uh, they they seem to have a good matchup there between those two. Uh, at least they did in the regular season. So mm-hmm. we'll see if that continues when he comes back because that's going to absolutely 
I feel like that's going to change the series around completely because stepping into the in the lineup likely for the Sixers is going to be Matisse Thybul. Um, we talked about defensive uh, second team there for him, but you know, offensively, not he's the no whole Shake pack. Milton. Yeah, he's he's not going to bring Shake Milton, and that's just it. Like, do you consider if you're Doc maybe bringing in Shake Milton, or is he just one of those guys that's way more effective coming off the bench? That's tough. I mean, I. I would honestly probably lean towards it because you still have Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid and guys out there. Like you have defense players to go with him. So his, it's not that he's a bad defender. It's just, you almost want to keep Tybal in that defensive presence on the bench as well too. So if you have to take out Ben Simmons or you get some foul trouble against Trey Young, hypothetically, you can bring in Tybal, a guy who can do that. You don't want to, you know what I mean? I want to be able to stagger the defense as opposed to stagger the offense, I guess is my leaning towards that. So I probably honestly consider bringing in Shake Milton. That second team, it's, it's just tough because they're so, they're already so starter dependent heavy as it is. And then taking one guy out of there, it's like, ah, oh, well this, no pun intended, shakes things up for the worse. Yeah, no, I mean, that is a good point. I, it, it's really down to, I feel like just which side of the coin you like to like, you like to stagger more, whether you want instant offense out there at all times, or you want to stagger that defense or, or keep it out there just in case. Um, are you a Thibodeau or are you a, uh, D'Antoni, I think, is the best comparison. I, obviously, nobody's either that that far stretching one way or the other, but hmm. that's kind of the mindsets I think of when I think of keeping offense out there. I think of D'Antoni and keeping defense out there. I think of Tibbs, and you know, you just you look at what Tibbs did with his starting lineup this season, uh, not starting Der- Derrick Rose until he absolutely had to in the playoffs. So, hmm. uh, but yeah, no, it's a uh, it's something to consider for sure going going forward in that one. Um, and the other two two game right now is a very interesting one and I have I still love this stat and it's still the truth after even though after he left with injury but that's the Jazz Clippers 2-2 right now and Kawhi Leonard after he left with game game uh game 4 with that injury we don't know we don't know his status yet but still interestingly enough he has not missed a shot in the fourth quarter and every game that he has not missed a shot in the fourth quarter the Clippers have won how crazy is that? Kawhi Leonard. He he giveth and he taketh away sometimes. I mean, he's fit. He's a great player. I still don't think he's in the era of in the aura of like Kevin or those guys, but he's still he has just those flashes of pure fantasticness. Like the things he can sometimes do. Everyone talks about his poster on Derek Favors. I'm just looking at all the mid-range shots, the pull-ups he was able to hit, this the ways he can affect the game, but not to be overlooked either. What not so much way off George anymore. Playoff playoff P has actually been. I'm not going to say great by any means, but he's been pretty good. Honestly, when you look at his numbers, I mean, 39% from three, not too bad. 45 ish percent from the field. Pretty good. 25 points, eight rebounds, five, six assists. He's been pretty good, honestly, especially considering we talked about this during the cast. They kind of have him basically playing point forward at this point too, because they don't have a point guard nowhere on that roster whatsoever. No. So basically he has to be the guy that runs the offense that distributes it a lot. Cause Kawhi sure really can't do it either. He's not Kevin Durant. He's not dis- distributing to people. He, and we saw it in the fast break. He has a guy wide open in the corner and Kawhi's like, no, no, I'll go get fouled instead, hmm. like, which is fine. That's great. I'm just saying like when you need somebody to move the ball, PG is basically their guy and he's a bucket getter. That's it. Been in his entire career. I mean, dunk contest com- 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 competitor used to be a three point sniper as well too. That's fallen off a little bit. Defensive guy. He's done everything but being his distributor. And he's kind of stepped into that role a little bit. He's done pretty well. I think he's starting to find his stride. So that's interesting. I think those two combined are starting to look like what we thought when they first joined up. So more or less the question I have for him is, can they keep this up going forward? Cause especially if Mike Conley can come back soon too, the big injury for the jazz. Cause I think that makes a huge difference if PG one gets in there. Yeah. I mean, look, you, you talk about the jazz running without a point guard really at that point in time, they bring in Joe Ingles 
and that's not a point guard. I mean, Joe Ingles is a six foot eight, you know, lightning quick trigger man from three who plays YMCA some defense. specialist. Yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of that old man ball game, and then uh, you know, for some reason, his eyes light up when he gets to go against Paul George for the most part. But now, when he's being told to play point guard, it's it's like, well, I don't want to waste my shots type of situation. <laughs> um, whereas, like when you bring him in off the bench, six man of the year nominee. Let's not forget that. So, uh, speaking uh, of six man of the year, Jordan Clarkson, he needs to get more consistent going. I mean, he's he's been very erratic. He's looking like Cleveland, not so tat, tatted up Jordan Clarkson these days. He's got to he's got to get going on there. He's not looked like himself this playoffs. They have rattled him. It looks like. Yeah, look, he is uh, he is AWOL, and I think that's that is being nice. I feel like me calling him AWOL. Um, he is just just non-existent right now, and it's it's everything. It's it's the the pull up from mid range. It's the jump from the three the three point shot. It is layups. Nothing is going for Jordan Clarkson. It feels like uh, he had a good good game in game four, but it it was in a loss. It didn't really matter. And you know, for all this, we all have to consider. I mean, if we don't know the status on Kawhi right for going for for game five at this point in time we don't know how bad that calf knee thing is and yet at the end of game four paul george was able to not only hold the lead but actually extend it from when Kawhi checked out so if you're the jazz you kind of have to be a little demoralized i know you have that mike conley horizon on the uh, you know go, coming up but you have to get there first, and you have to not lose the series first. If I'm Donovan Mitchell, I'm looking at everybody else in that lineup and be like, what the heck, guys? Like, <laughs> yeah. damn, they're throwing four people at me. They're throwing two former defense player of the year type guys, and not one of you can make a layup. Rudy Gobert, how come it took you till the fourth quarter to shoot a shot? Which, that might honestly just be the offense's fault since they shoot so many damn threes they're not getting Gobert the ball. Maybe don't shoot 75 threes a game. Maybe tone it back down to just 50 or so. Try and get him involved. Zubak should not be able to stop Rudy Gobert on a consistent basis. Rudy Gobert should be able to get him in a little bit of trouble, foul trouble. And then who do you bring in if you're the Clippers off the bench at that point? You don't really have a backup center, honestly. Rudy Gobert Boogie. should be able to – that? You got Boogie, who's had a good showing in these playoffs. That's that's true, but it's not Boogie Boogie at the same time. It's yeah. like, it's it's old DeMar because it's Booger Cousins at this point, too. He's not quite the same. So I Rudy Gobert needs to get involved offensively. They got to find a way. I know he has a very limited offensive game. Just get his big body rolling to the basket and throw it up to him at this point on occasion, just so it'll open things up for your 5,000 three pointers anyway, but they're too dependent on that shot. And the Clippers defend the three way too well. They got to Quinn Snyder's got to call a little bit of an audible to get Donovan Mitchell going as well, too. He he's struggled a little bit the last six quarters. They have not, they basically said you will not score 40 on us and nobody else can score 30. So yeah. Is it safe to say like, for me, I look at this. I look at this offense for the Jazz. I'm like, I, I have the same questions I have for Quinn Snyder that I do for Budenholzer. Like, where's your offense? Where's that pick and roll with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell that is just so deadly? You have to choose between the two of them. You have to either step out to to Donovan Mitchell and commit to him, which then leaves Rudy Gobert flying to the basket wide open, or you have to commit to stop Rudy Gobert on the roll, which leaves Donovan Mitchell in lane to get to the the basket and. We've seen it five times total in the four games. And all five times have resulted in a bucket or a foul. And I'm again asking the same exact question. Why going away from what works? Like, I know it's usually Mike Conley running that when Mike Conley's healthy. But you have Donovan Mitchell, one of the best guys getting to the rim right now, best young scorers in the game. Why not use them? I so many questions for that. And I love Quinn Snyder and that that what he's done for the Jazz, but at the same time, like you have to you have to make adjustments, right? Like I'm not just I'm not just seeing something that doesn't exist at this point, right? 
We've seen Ty Lue call some adjustments to get things going. We've got to see Quinn Snyder answer back as well. So you had a 2 nothing lead. The Clippers do their best when they're down. So maybe this is just Clippers bouncing back. We'll see game five, what it has to bring. But I'm really hoping we see Mike Conley and Kawhi Leonard in game five. I want to see both. Neither team has been fully ready to go this entire this entire series, really. So that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, that's for sure. And just to kind of cap off this whole Kawhi thing before we move on to that fourth game that already ended, or fourth series that already ended, in Kawhi's fourth quarter shots, he has shot 43.8% of them with people four to six feet away from him. But here's the kicker. 93% of his shots, he's had the ball for longer than two seconds. So he's had to make multiple dribbles for. So he is not just getting open shots. He is creating open shots for himself in the fourth quarter and knocking them all down. Oh, he's been sensational, especially that mid-range game. Just get walks to his spot and then pulls up very similar to how Kevin does it. They look at that mid-range spot, kind of free throw to the block, and like, I'm going to walk right over here. I'm going to do a jab step, or I'm going to put my elbow in you, or I'm just going to look at you, and I'm going to pull up in your face. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's an offensive there's a lot there's a lot of things about some players you could tell when they don't really have an offensive game. Guys like Giannis, Ben Simmons, guys like that, they just kind of sprint to the basket and overpower people and out athletic them. These guys have the offensive game, and that's where you see it as, oh, we're struggling a little bit. Let me there's something I can go to. And that's what they go to is that shot, basically. And they both have mastered it in very ways very few guys have mastered anything. Yeah, and that's from the inside, that's from inside the arc. From outside of the arc, from three-point land, he has shot 56% of his shots with two to four feet of space, which means they tight defending. Um, so uh, yeah, still looks pretty good. Nonetheless, uh, when, when he's shooting those, those as well, but now we got to talk about it. We've been kind of avoiding this series because well, it, uh, it was quick. It was ugly. Um, there was a inferno flying up from the desert and it ate the mile high air alive. Uh, is the safest way to, to put it. And, uh, yeah, the, the Valley, uh, they struck gold in Denver. We'll keep it that way. Yeah, look, the, the Suns wiping out the Nuggets in four straight games. Uh, did you have any idea this was going to go 4-0? I could see the Suns winning in five when we talked about it. Like, I figured, like, the Suns, I expected to win it, but I didn't think it was going to look like that. I did not, like, the Nuggets really weren't in really many of the games at all, too. I mean, I know some of the scores were kind of close, but it, the Suns felt like they were in control every time. Every third quarter, they came out and were like, okay, it's over now. Every single time. So much to the point where Jokic wanted out of that game four and got himself ejected. I don't care what anyone says. He did that out of frustration. He was, it looked like he was looking to get himself ejected. He swiped down like he was looking to get a flagrant foul. Maybe he didn't expect a flagrant two, but he didn't look too distraught when they called it. And it was, was it a great flagrant two? No, it's kind of soft, especially there we grew up in. But the letter of the rule, 2AT, says if you wind up motion, contact with the face, inadvertent basketball move, you're going to get ejected for it. He's, he knows that. He's too smart of a player not to. So, it seems like he just got so frustrated he wanted out at that point. Yeah, look, the average score of this this these four games, 105 to 122. Uh, that's that's the average score over those four four games. So two touchdown victory on average, basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 21 points. Uh look so, excuse me. I can't even do math. Yeah, uh look, it's, it was ugly. Or sorry, not 21. Uh, no, you're right. It was closer to 17. 16. All right, so I say you're making 16. me yeah, you're making me question everything really quickly. Right? Two and, and a half that. possessions. Let's do two and a half possessions. <laughs> uh, but look, no, it's it was ugly, and you, you you're exactly right about that Jokic foul. Look, we we responded to a couple tweets uh, on our our Twitter about that, and it's just you know what, don't be don't be silly and and let your bias get a hold of you because that was just that was a dumb foul by Jokic. You're the MVP. There's no point saying the NBA doesn't care about the league when. 
the whole idea of this rule, this this rear back and and fire rule is for player safety. And then you're going to say the NBA doesn't care about the league because the MVP of the league winds up and volleyball spikes his forearm into the face of campaign. Is it, I mean, obviously is it an egregious foul? Like, no, we've seen worse fouls. We would like that to not be a flagrant too. I mean, when we grew up playing basketball and watching basketball, if there's, unless there's fisticuffs, it's fine. I mean, unless somebody's in the stands whooping a fam's butt or unless there's uppercuts being thrown, it's cool. Just break them up and call them both. Just call them off. But the rule is don't do that. That's not the NBA anymore. You can't do that. It's not exactly new. Even if, LeBron does that there. Well, he might, he might be the exception to the rule, but just about anybody else. Cause we already know the rules don't apply to LeBron, but everybody else the rules apply to. Yeah. Look, here's the thing is like, uh, you know, when you wind up, that's immediately going to be a flagrant, well, flagrant one. Right. And then but you make then, contact to the head immediately a flagrant one as well. Two separate things combine them. Yeah. And well, actually contact to the head is yeah, exactly. It's going to be immediate flagrant no matter what. And then when you combine them too, it's just like, okay, well, I know it might have been incidental, but there's no denying the fact you made contact to the head. It's just like with the pass interference or roughing the quarterback rule in the NFL. If you make contact to the head or neck area of a quarterback, even if it's fleeting, like you might just scrape a pinky across the helmet of somebody. You might it's get pushed into be him from penalty. behind against your will and bump into him. Yeah, you might be completely stopped or laying on the ground and somebody picks you up and throws hmm. you into the quarterback's head or chest, or head or neck area and you're still going to be called for the penalty. Like, it's just, it is the rule of the law. And yeah, it sucks if you're a kid, if you're somebody that grew up in the 90s, uh, or even earlier than that, the Bill Lambeer bad boys of basketball days, Detroit Pistons basketball. If you're a fan of Detroit Pistons basketball, you hate this foul because that used to be an everyday occurrence. Oh, those guys don't watch basketball anymore. They quit watching a few years ago. They made it very known on all Facebook comments too. Like, they don't watch anymore, remember? Yeah, that's right. That's true. But no, look, I mean, you you just be completely honest about this. Like, it was just a dumb foul. But here's the crazy thing about it. The Nuggets looked better when Jokic left the court that game. For a little bit, yeah, they looked like they were going to make a run. Then at the end of it, the Nuggets were like, or the Suns were like, no, 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 no. That was cute, but we'll have to end this. But for a minute there, it looked like Michael Porter Jr. and squad were going to run it, like basically run it in the name of Jokic at that point. They are like, we will win this in the name of Joker and hope he doesn't get suspended. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing is if maybe if that goes to five, he gets a suspension after that and doesn't play in game five because, you know, I mean, we've seen that happen before. Now, um, we will agree the suspension would have been egregious. That would have been, that would have been yeah. completely egregious, unacceptable, like a flagrant disregard for life, basically. But yeah. the flagrant two was not a flagrant disregard for life, no pun intended. Like, it was the letter of the law. That's a flagrant two. Like, you can make the strong case of a flagrant two. Do we like it? No, but that's what it is. The rule is the rules. Rules is rules, and it will remain that way until they change it. Yeah, I know. So that's 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 that matchup kind of wrapped up. Uh, but I do want to ask if you're in the West, this Clipper. If you're you're obviously you're the Suns, you're watching this Clippers Jazz series. And who do you want to match up with if you're the Suns? Who do you think you have the best matchup with? Honestly, kind of just a, they have weird matchups all over the place. So in the backcourt, I feel like they'd probably rather go against the Jazz because Don Mitchell's nice, Mike Conley's nice, but they're not Paul George and Kawhi. So Devin Booker and and Chris Paul, they should be able to work a little bit better in theory. Like those guys aren't going to lock them up like PG and quite on paper supposed to. Obviously we've talked about those two as the best wing defenders in the game. Haven't quite been the same. The best wing defending duo since Jordan and Pippen. And eh, maybe not so much, but like in theory, they could be pros more problems because they'll be bigger as well too. So, but you'll have that Deandre eight matchup on Zubak. I do like that matchup. If I'm, if I'm the Suns, or if I, sorry, that's if you're going against Clippers, if you're going against the jazz, I like, 
DeAndre Ayton and, and uh, Rudy Gobert, not as much, but Booker and CP3 against Mike Conley and Dev, and Donovan Mitchell. I don't hate that because Mitchell and Booker are just going to trade 40 pieces each. And then it's Chris Paul and Mike Conley. And you got to trust point God sometimes too, as much as we love Mike Conley. If I'm this, if I'm Monty Williams, I'm like, I'll take it. I'm good. This, this will work for me. If Donovan Mitchell's going to have to run into DeAndre Ayton a bunch of times where Booker's going to pull a lot more mid-range shots. So I think they're content either way. Honestly, I think they are feeling themselves. I think they're, they're good regardless too, because the Clippers have shown to not always play up to their potential and the Suns have shown to play exceed their potential when needed. So if it, if it comes down to it, if they go down 0-2 to the Suns, I don't think the Clippers are climbing out of that one. We don't even know they're going to climb out against the Jazz, per se. And we've seen the Jazz shoot themselves well out of games really easily and quickly, too. So on the Suns, I'm content. I'm looking. I'm like, we're going to the finals as long as we don't screw around too much and nobody gets hurt. That does it for our main event. That's obviously the, uh, the NBA playoffs wrapped up right now, which leads us into Crunch Time presented by Dr. Squatch. And when you think of Crunch Time, you think of pressure. Pressure leads to sweat, and sweat leads to, well, smelling awful. Uh, that's when Dr. Squatch comes into play. Dr. Squatch line of products, no matter the situation, Dr. Squatch's natural products keep us feeling like a man while smelling like a champion. Uh, be sure to go check out all the Dr. Squatch line of products. Link tree, uh, the link is in our link tree in our bio, so go check that out. And that one, it, it, you know, look, these, these scents they have, they're all natural, which is fantastic for your body. You don't have that as harsh chemicals. You don't get those weird stains in your clothes for using their deodorant either. You know, those and their yellow... deodorant's cheap. You get them in three packs. You get a different one for every situation. You got one, you're going out with the boys. You want to smell good. You're going out with the lady. You want to smell clean. You just got done at the gym and you got to rush to work and you don't want to smell like a foot. You have one for every situation as well, too. Then you got some fun miscellaneous ones like a pine tar scent or a spaceman scent. You got a little bit of everything for a pretty decent price. Absolutely. So be sure to go check that out. Link is in our bio there. And DJ, what do you have on your mind for crunch time? There's been some fun happening and we talked about early on in the fight game. Is that what you're, what you're thinking? I'm going to talk a little bit of fight game. That's what I'm going to do too. I don't have too many. I don't have a whole lot to go into. I'm not going to go on a full rankings thing. I'm not going to go on any of our classic R's rankings, rants, <laughs> recaps, anything like that. I'm going to do a little bit of all three. I'm going to, it's going to recap rent or camp it or something like that. How do you want to break? First things first, we tuned in on Colorcast to a guy called Dave on there. Who was calling the full thing. Want to give him a shout out. He did a great job from pillar to post the very early prelims all the way to the main event with only three finishes and a bunch of decisions. Fantastic job from him. So just shout out to him if you haven't followed him on Colorcast. Go give him a listen to. He's a great guy, fun to listen. He kept us sitting, sitting through the whole time, so Absolutely. giving him credit real quick while we can. The, what I'm going to talk about too is I'm just going to look at the main three card fights for right now. Nate Diaz got his butt whooped for 24 minutes, but it, he managed to make everybody be the story of the night in 60 seconds, just from that last 60 second surge. He is a guy unlike any other. People love him because basically, no matter what, he always finds a way to get something. Where at the end of the day, he can be like. I never lost. I just ran out of time. That's pretty much what the story is. And he's a superstar in his own right. Leon Edwards, he should fight the winner of Colby Covington and Usman, who should be the next fight. Then Leon Edwards gets a winner of that. Cut, dry, sealed. If they don't do that, I complain. And then Leon Edwards could be on standby if Usman or Colby gets hurt. Like That, that seems easy enough. Just pencil out a one in. If they don't do that, I, then it's a problem. Yeah. Davidson Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. Their first fight was, oh my goodness, fight of the year. But then the talk was, okay, they both took it on three weeks notice. How were they feeling? Brandon Moreno came out and looked like a world beater. He came after him. He gave him no space. He swarmed him and choked him on, choked him out. Fantastic performance. He is going to blow up, especially like being the first Mexican born, like in Mexico champion too. That whole country is going to rally around him. He's a good fighter too. He managed to avoid Davidson's monster power shots. Who Davidson's massive for that weight class too. He throws nuclear warheads in his fist. So Brandon Moreno is going to be a guy to look out for to come. And then the main event, 
Marvin Vittori gets outclassed by Israel Adesanya. If you don't give it five rounds to zero for Izzy, four to one, maybe like Marvin Vittori really didn't have any answers. But my problem with this whole thing comes after the fact, Marvin Vittori has the audacity to say he thinks he won the fight. <laughs> Anyone who watched that knows better. He even said afterwards, Izzy's like, I don't, I had won that fight. And Izzy's like, please, like you got, you got Miss the ability to post. Me with that ish. Exactly. I mean, oh, insignificant leg strikes. You buckled like four times. You nearly, you fell on your butt before. Is he literally checked your oil from a standing position when you're trying to shoot and take that, take him down on a round by round scoring basis. You didn't have anything for him. It was cut dry and simple. Maybe in your head, like the aggressive fisticuffs in a phone booth, old school Popeye fighting or something. Maybe you have a case cause you were pushing the action, but you really could not consistently touch him. And he's, is he landed basically whatever he wanted too. So the fact that he thinks he won is just blasphemous to me. The first fight. Yes. I get it. You were a little upset. You thought you won, but there was, there was no case about it. And you just kind of sound silly. And that's on post on Twitter. He's like, oh, good. Somebody who finally understands striking when they said Marvin won the fight. No, really not. I mean, it doesn't really take a genius to figure that one out. Let, you don't have to like it because Izzy was very defensive and very shellish defense. Don't get hit, but don't get hit. It wasn't, it was pretty, but it wasn't like glorious. It wasn't give me blood. But God, I don't understand how you can think that and to say it. Like, that just makes you sound like a pure denial goober. And the best part was afterwards where Izzy, didn't really respond to that at all. He just kind of ignored. He's like, I want Robert Whitaker next on my own home turf. That is the fight to make because those two have literally beat everybody else in the division. And I hope we see that fight later in the year. Both guys healthy, full, ready to go, confident, clean. That's a fantastic fight. That's a, oh, I can't wait just thinking about that one. That's a doozy, especially after the first one ended pretty much Izzy dominating most of it. I think the rematch is going to be a little bit different. I don't know who will win. We'll see, but. It's going to be a close fight. That Those are two, the two best guys in that weight class, bar none right now, and I look forward to seeing that one. Please make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be exciting uh, for sure. And now for, you know, I don't get my – Vittori, maybe too many punches to the head. Maybe that's what his issue is. I don't I don't get that one at all. It's the only logical explanation at this point that he – or I don't know, honestly. Or he was watching somebody else fight. I don't know. Yeah, no, not – who knows. Uh, but from one kicking sport to another, <laughs> I'm going to head to the Euro 2021 – Obviously, you guys don't know about the Euros. They got pushed back from last year because of the pandemic. So they actually got pushed to this season, or to, to 2021. And it has been an absolutely exciting tournament. From the start, it was Turkey, Italy. And Italy got off to a huge start with 3-0. And then we had the Christian Eriksen incident with Denmark and Finland. And first of all, thoughts and prayers out to Christian Eriksen and his family because that was a terrifying incident. If you guys don't know what happened, um, to come to cardiac arrest on the field, According to the Denmark officials, he was actually gone on the field, had to be resuscitated and brought back. And uh, during all of this, his teammates and the Finnish fans and Finnish players were circled around him, actually holding things up, keeping the cameras, which shame on you, ESPN, for keeping cameras going during this entire incident, but keeping cameras from seeing everything happening on the field uh, for that. And then, um, you know, obviously after that, the game was postponed and it was a phone call back from Christian Erickson saying, you guys, you know, finish the game. What And and that's what got both teams together to get together and actually finish the game that day. Um, so, you know, obviously there's been some, 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 some drama as well. But otherwise, other than that incident, it, this Euros feels like what I've wanted a Euro tournament to feel like. I mean, every game has been absolutely exciting. Um, down the stretch, I mean, there was a there's there's been one draw, uh, one zero zero draw, and that's been Spain and Sweden, and that was a fantastic game to watch. Um, so 
you know, look, they, they, there's a lot of things happening for Euros, but I just wanted to point out that not only has it been an exciting thing, but in the one terrifying moment that happened with Denmark and Christian Eriksen, the entire sport rallied around this guy. On the, the, I mean, really, Christian Eriksen, you love him, hate him. Um, lots of people have their own opinions on him, but he is a fantastic player, and, and, and people in the sport all around have rallied around him, from not just soccer, but all around. It's been a fantastic storyline to, to follow, um, considering how terrifying that incident was and how bad it could have been um, on the field for sure. Um, and I, you know, give all credit to the referee who stopped the, the, the who blew the whistle literally immediately once he went down. Um, his teammate, his captain, Kiar, he actually resusc- started resuscitation on the field, keeping him um, there present on the field is the best way I could put it. And then he was actually the one that led to the circling. Like he, he organized everybody uh, to circle around to keep anything from being seen, um, which is fantastic. And then also comforted Christian Erickson's wife as she was breaking down on the side of the field. Uh, she came down to the field. And, and so that was absolutely terrifying. So unfortunately, you know, I'm, I, my, my crunch time is, is a little bit downer, but at the same time, it's a bright lining to considering all the crappy things happening all over the place to see two nations in Denmark and Finland who don't normally get along. Oh, no, uh, not at all. You know, they uh, historically not the not the best of friends and to see them getting along and and doing something for the betterment of one individual uh, and, and his family. That's that was absolutely fantastic to see the, the sportsmanship and everything about it. So, you know, while it's a downer story, it is an incredible moment of togetherness from not just the players, but the fans and the referees. And, and you know, we've always been harsh on referees, but fantastic job by them. Fantastic job by the medical staff and everybody involved to get, you know, this man into the hospital. He is still in the hospital, still going through tests, but it is looking positive every day. It's fantastic. Everybody rally around a certain situation too, especially in a time when everybody seems to be divided as well. And I'm just going to touch back on that point you made too, on shame on them for showing it. Whether that was ESPN, the Euros feed they were giving them, like I don't know which one it is because I've heard it could be both. Like I don't know if ESPN has their crew out there or if it's a feed they're getting. Because I know when I worked in sports, that sometimes how we have broadcast some of the games, we got a feed from somewhere else. And we were at the mercy of what they show, basically. We just could throw on our graphics or whatnot. Yeah. Whoever's or fault that was, you just got to show a buttload of crowd shots and like maybe the players' faces or something like that. You can't show the man on the field and you can't show his wife. Like that's if you do it once, like okay, it happens, but you can't keep going back to you can't keep doing that. You got to just cut away and have talking heads talk. Like you got to you got to have something else. You got to talk to your mass control commercial operators. Like give us promos, give us something. Like yeah, you, and someone's got to be in charge of that. You, I don't know if. I don't know who to blame. That's why I'm not going to cast aspersions to anyone because I don't know if it was a feed or if it was their crew or what was going on necessarily. If it was an amateur crew, I don't know for sure. But whoever's in charge of that, you you can't keep showing that. There's a it's I don't know if it's an official rule. I don't have like a rule of sports broadcasting handbook on me. I'm sorry, but from what so basically it's, a, it's, a, it's an unknown, it's like an unspoken rule at this point. When one of the games we worked in, a kid actually broke his leg on the field, like it was Paul George looking on the field. We showed it once off replay with a warning and never went back to it again because his foot was making a 90-degree angle with the ground. It was absolutely disgusting, and I hated it. But you, there's a reason you don't go back to it. You don't show him on the ground. You show everything else. You show the darn logo if you have to as well, too. They're just like have somebody zoom in on the logo center field or something. Show show the players upset, too. I mean, like that's not ideal, but like that gives you your emotional shot, I guess. Like So many better ways to have handled that. I agree. So whoever was at fault, shame on them as well, too. Like, you got to be smarter. You got to be better than that, especially because you sitting you kept doing it. One mistake, not ideal. You'll still get roasted for, but you can you can come back to that. But all of them, so many times, you can't have that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the biggest problem. Is you know you look at that. It was not just the live TV feed for ESPN. It was also their ESPN three feed, 
um, which is the triple camera feed, which shows the coaches as well as the overhead view of the state of the field. And they kept that going the entire time. Um, didn't stop it. It was about 25 minutes worth of time that they kept that stream up before finally blanking it and saying your event will return shortly. Um, so yeah, it was a uh, all around. Obviously, they need to need to do better, and that's just it's not that was not a good situation. But to your point, whether it was a overseas stream because they are having to play every game uh, split between two two cities of each group, um, so it, it's possible they were they were overseas stream that they had to had to work with. So we're not sure exactly the details of that, but you know the the bigger story here is that the togetherness that the, you know the sportsmanship shown here is is the bigger thing I wanted to highlight and. Um, absolutely because it's just absolutely fantastic to see but you know that does it for us today and as i said unfortunately ending on a little bit of a sad note but still still bright shining uh borders around that that sad note so um, what we're gonna do we're gonna chime in a good note here before we get out of here as well too if you're fans of sports in general and you have an iphone download the Colorcast app it, an app that's been very friendly to the high low sports podcast and tune into us because we are calling a lot of these ba- basketball games in the playoffs in the playoff run we got conference finals coming up next Maybe some NBA Finals games. Like we got a lot of games coming up. We could definitely use your support out there too. Tune in, download it, follow High Low Sports, look, follow our Twitter page. You'll get the link sent out there. A lot of good games. We could definitely use all your support coming down to it. Yeah, absolutely. So be sure to stay tuned to our Twitter and Instagram pages for all the updates there. And all as always, guys, we appreciate everybody tuning in and all the support you guys show us each and every time. Whether we go on Colorcast here on uh, on Ten Sports Network or even. On our, our Spotify, Anchor, all that stuff, it, you know, we, we appreciate every single time you guys show us support. It's been absolutely a fantastic run so far. By the way, almost exactly on one year at, from the return, uh, you know, we are approaching that one year from the return date, and that was the NBA free agency uh, one year ago. So we're, we're, we're slowly approaching that moment. and uh, Closing might, it on two years total, too. Like, it's get it's rolling now. Yeah, we, uh, we might have something something big planned. We, 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 you know, we'll let you guys know, as always. Uh, we'll but, figure something out probably the day before. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it might be five minutes right before. But no, we, we, we appreciate everybody tuning in. And until next time, guys, we will see you later. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.